Hey, I'm glad you're here. I have, uh, I've been to Kentucky this week, and uh, it was hot and humid and felt just like here, uh, so it was great. So if you've ever seen those videos of parents who um, surprise their kids with a trip to Disney World or Disneyland, let me show you one. It kind of doesn't go the exact way the parents are hoping. So can you imagine uh, forking over thousands of dollars, because I'm pretty sure that's what it costs. In fact, I looked it up. Uh, the average uh, week stay for a family of five right now is between five and $7,500. So I'd have been knocking some kids in the head. You know, I was just like, good grief. Um, so today we're talking about, we're, we're starting this series uh, going, uh, it's summer old school. We're going to look at Old Testament um, sort of these interesting things that God did and put in place. And today we're talking about the promised land. And I know what you're talking about. The first thing you're going to say is, oh, promised land, you must be talking about Kentucky. Here's a picture. The word Kentucky is an Iroquois Indian word that literally means happy hunting ground. Look at that. It's awesome. I was just there. I attended a wedding, or as you all call it, a family reunion. And uh, uh, it's great to be in Kentucky. Now, I did look up the word Carolina. Uh, that word is an Indian word, and it means the land of humidity and kudzu. So not quite the same. All right, so there's this, we're going to be in Numbers 13, so if you want to find your way there, that's where you need to go, but before we get there, I want to look at a verse that's always been a little bit um, oh, troubling or concerning or disconcerting to me, I don't know what the word would be, but anyway, without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible, not that it's, it's hard or you know it's difficult or it's uh, challenging, it says without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And, and so it's the word impossible I get hung up on because, you know, <laughs> there are seasons in life where I feel like I'm full of faith. Uh, a lot of times that's when things are going right. You know, there's joy and that kind of thing. And, 
I got a, an email this week from a girl who's getting married at Pretty Place, wherever that is. It's close. I think it's, it's, it's and it's, from what I understand, pretty, and it's a place. Uh, so uh, she's getting married there. It's a girl from Michigan, and she, uh, she sent me a, uh, an email about 18 months ago and said, my, my wedding day is in October of 2023. And I think she sent this to me in 2021. Uh, can you do the wedding for me? And it's like, well, if I'm alive, you know, yeah, I guess so. Uh, nuclear holocaust hadn't happened, I'll be there. So I, I like being a part of those joyous days. We have these, these ups in life and good things happen, the birth of a baby, or, or you get a job promotion, or you have just a good week. I like those uh, kinds of events. But then we also, as a pastor, as a family, as a church of uh, a family, uh, we walk through difficulties with people, loss and uh, su sudden loss of job or somebody we love or a, a bad diagnosis. And so I feel like sometimes my faith pegs, you know, like a nine or a ten. And sometimes it's not so high. I think that's why this disturbs me a little bit, that it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, it doesn't say without lots of faith, without uh, huge amounts of faith. It just says without faith. And sometimes, even when my faith tank is really low, and I don't know, like I, you all probably don't do this, but sometimes I drive my car and the little, and the little gas, uh, the little, uh, gas station or whatever that is uh, comes on, and it's like I'm, I'm about out of gas. And sometimes... My faith needle is pegging full, and sometimes the light comes on. And even when the light comes on, I can please God because I have, I have a little faith. And then there's life, and, and life changes, and God shows himself. And so today we're talking about this, this amazing event where God shows up and he does really, really great things. Here's the thing. Uh, when I'm full of faith, I have less fear. And when I'm full of fear, I have less faith. It's kind of, they're, they're almost like oil and water. It's like on a scale. And, and if I'm full of faith, the, the fear goes down. And when I'm full of fear, the faith goes down. And it is this, this sort of thing that happens. Now, we're looking at a story. Again, it's found in Numbers chapter 13. And it's about God noticing that the people of Israel... Uh, are in need. Now, God chose a people. He chose Abraham, and Abraham's people were going to be his people. And we all have people, right? You know, I went, I went to Kentucky this week. I've got people there. I know people and that kind of thing. We all have people. And so God said, okay, well, Abraham, you're going to be my people, and your people are going to be my people. And, and so uh, he, it's God's chosen people, and yet they find themselves in slavery, which begs the question, if it's God's chosen people, how could they get to a place where they're enslaved? Well, it always, always, always comes back to free will. Uh, God lets us choose, and if we choose wrongly, we experience the consequences of those choices. And so the Israelites, they find themselves in Egypt, and they find themselves enslaved, and they find themselves enslaved for hundreds of years, and they cry out to God, God, can you please help us? Can you please deliver us? And God sends this deliverer, this man named Moses. You all know the name Moses. And Moses shows up, and he goes to the Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go. 
And Pharaoh's like, I don't think so, because I've got a free labor source, and it would be economically unfeasible for me to allow these people, these slaves, these folks who work for free, I can't let them go. I'm not going to let them go. And so God begins to show his power to Pharaoh through plagues. There's the plagues of flies and the plagues of frogs and the plagues of boils and the plagues of hail and, and these plagues. And God initiates sort of this sequence of plagues. And at the beginning, Pharaoh, not only does he not let his people go, he gets mad about it. And he's like, well, not only am I not going to let you go, I'm going to make you work harder. So think about being a Jew in Egypt at that time, and you're enslaved, which is horrible, and now you cry out to God, and God sends a deliverer, a dude named Moses, and you're thinking, yay, I were, we were so low, but now we have faith. And then Pharaoh says, not only am I not going to let you go, I'm going to make it harder. And so it's this roller coaster of emotions for these people. But God uh, persists. And, and if you've ever driven in snow or driven in mud, sometimes you have to back up a little bit to go forward. And they backed up a little bit. Pharaoh got mean and mad and ornery. And so he, he, the, the, the Jews kind of back up. Sometimes you have to back up a little bit to go forward. And so this is what happened. And God prevails. And there's this tenth plague. And the tenth plague was, was the death of the firstborn of the flocks and the families, and that was the last straw. And Pharaoh says, I just have had enough. And he says, you can go. And on the way out the door, as the, as the uh, Israelites are leaving, they plunder the Egyptians. Let me show you this verse. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed. You want to know what that means? They're scared out of their minds. Because they've just seen God use utilize... Ten plagues to deliver uh, his people. If the, if the Jews said, I want something, I'm going to give it to them. Because I'm afraid God's going to zap me too. And so they're favorably disposed toward the, the Jewish people. And they gave them what they asked for. And so they plundered the Egyptians. And here they are. They were enslaved. And they sent a deliverer. God sends a deliverer named Moses. And Pharaoh gets mean. But now he's delivered them. And they're going to a place. It's a place that God has designated for them. It is a promised land. And it's this place. Here's the thing about land. I was thinking about this on the drive into this morning. If somebody gives you land, they're giving you potential. Because you want to know what you can do with land? Lots of things. I can build a house on land. I can farm land. I can build a pond on a land and, and put fish in it. I, when I have land, I have opportunity. I have, I, I have options. And God said, you're going to go from having nothing and no options to having land. You have to do something with it. I mean, he didn't build the houses for them or he didn't plant the crops for them. Or, but you've got possibilities. And so they, they've ridden this roller coaster, and now they're about to, to cross into uh, the wilderness, and then the next step, next stop would be the, the promised land. And something amazing and challenging happens. They find themselves at the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh changes 
his mind. Now, Pharaoh's son had been one of the people who died during this 10th plague. And there are stages of grief. There's denial. And then there's anger. And it's almost as if the anger stage is set in to Pharaoh. And now he, he just doesn't care. And he's like, I'm going to go get my workers back. I don't know if he was going to bring them home or just eliminate them. Really doesn't say. But man, he goes after the Jews. And now the roller coaster has gone. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a slave, and there's a deliverer, and, and Pharaoh gets mean, but, he deli- but we, we've been delivered, and now uh, we're about to get crushed. Because not only can they not go forward, the army behind them is skilled and trained and equipped, and they are none of those things. They have no chance. It's like bringing a butter knife to a gunfight. They have absolutely no hope. And if there was ever a time to have faith, it would have been now. God has proven himself. He got them that far. And so all of a sudden, the Red Sea opens. The Jews walk through. The Egyptians follow. And then the water comes over them and destroys them. And now God's people are in the wilderness. The promised land is just up there. It's just over the horizon. It's not very far. And now they don't have to look over their shoulders. Because here's the, the timing of this. was a, is, God's timing is really cool. So if Pharaoh had to come to his senses... Sooner, he would have gotten to them before the Red Sea and just demolished them. If he had uh, come to his senses later, he would have gone around the Red Sea and gotten them and, and demolished them. And God orchestrated this whole thing in this perfect, perfect way. And God powerfully and miraculously and with perfect timing delivers his people. Now look at Exodus 7, 3, 7, and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And then he says this, I've, So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a, a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's really important to notice this next part. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. At the end of the service, I'm going to take a quiz, and I'm going to see if any of you can remember any of them, because we've never heard of any of those people. All the ites are living in the land. Make notes. God knows this. All right, it's really important to make note that God knows this. All right, so they go from the hand of the Egyptians to the land of promise. This is the whole deal. Hey, I'm giving you... I've delivered you. I have defeated your enemies. Third step, I'm going to put you in a land where you have possibilities. It is a land. When it says land flowing with milk and honey, the the idea is it's lush. It's awesome. You're going to want to go there. This is the place that you're going to want to be. And the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, where they're going to go, promised land which I'm giving to the Israelites, from each tribe select one uh, uh, leader. And so 12 dudes uh, are sent into the promised land. Now, um, when you get a gift, 
like, like on a birthday, you get a gift and you don't, it's a surprise, right? You don't know what's in there. Typically you, you open it up and it's like, oh, it's a surprise. Well, but, but uh, for me, uh, like if I'm going to go someplace, I don't want to be surprised. So with the internet now you can look and you can see. And uh, I, I remember I rented a room uh, somewhere one time, uh, Airbnb, it was an Airbnb and it was a log cabin. I thought this is Awesome. Uh, uh, it, it was. Uh, there were pictures, and I could see. And it said there is a. Um, how did they put it? A bathhouse nearby. You want to know what that means? There's a place to take a shower way over there. That's what it meant. Bathhouse nearby. That's called false advertising. Uh, they didn't mention that this awesome log cabin had a metal roof. And it had an oak tree right above it. And all night, or a walnut tree, or evidently it was a baseball tree, because uh, when I'm sleeping, things kept hitting the roof, and it would be, I would think, somebody is shooting at me. But we, we want to know what we're getting ourselves into. And we do the research, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Well, God is saying, hey, uh, Moses, do the research. And they didn't have the internet. So, hey, send some spies into the promised land and just see what, see what there is. So look at Moses' direction to them. Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like. And, and what the people who live there, are, are they strong or weak? Are there many or few? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns are, do they live in? Are they walled or fortified? What is the soil? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. I, you, God says, go look. And Moses is like, here's what I want you to look for. Because I think the danger for slaves would be to go into a land that is so much better than what they came from that you, know, you don't notice the detail. And Moses, my goodness, he is really wanting the details. Uh, I'd like a soil sample. You know, he's like, uh, can you check the water quality? Uh, what's the air quality? I mean, he really wants to know everything. What are the amenities uh, uh, in the promised land? I'd like to know what the amenities are. And he's asking for, why would it matter if they're trees? Well, you, you, had, to, you had to have a, a way to build stuff. And so, uh, well, what, what's the soil like? Can we grow things? Are, are there fields for our flocks, our sheep, our goats, our cows? Uh, can, can it, will it sustain us? I mean, I believe Moses knew this, but here's what he's doing for these spies. He's wanting them to take note of the provision of God. Hey, man, God has all of these things taken care of. He knows all of your needs, and he is prepared for all of them. Not, not just some things. God, God has thought ahead. So we have uh, Ashley. She's our uh, children's pastor, and she does such a good job. And she thinks ahead, and she, she does those photo booths for Mother's Day. You want to know what you would get if I was in charge for Mother's Day? Nothing, because I don't think ahead. She thinks ahead. Did you see her pants today? I almost wore the same pair. Uh, so, uh, so, so, it's so funny. Uh, if you, you gotta, now you got to go look. Uh, so. Mo Moses is saying, look, God has thought ahead. 
He's got all of this stuff covered. And, and the, he, he's reminded, the, the land of Canaan, I'm giving you. Now, when they heard this I'm giving you part, perhaps they thought that it was going to be empty. <laughs> Except God had said, there, there are Hivites and Parasites and Electrolytes, all the ites. They're there. All the ites are there. He, God knew this. He, he told them these things are there. So they go up. They report. They come back. They report to the whole assembly. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back uh, some, um, some, some grapes and some mandrakes. Uh, they brought back Chick-fil-A. I mean, just everything that would be in the land of promise. Huey Magoos. I mean, they, they brought everything back. And they said, they, they gave Moses his account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And here's the fruit. And now let's show you. And it is lush, and it is awesome. And so let's learn some lessons from the promised land. I think I have four or five, okay? One is, what God says is true every time. So we read our Bibles, we come to church, we go to small groups, we hear things, and when God says stuff, it works out the way God says it's going to work out. Jesus said, you reap what you sow. Well, you know what? That's true. And, and the Bible says, when you forgive others, it heals you. Well, that's true. And the Bible says, it's better to, to, to give than to receive. And when you're a kid, you think that is the stupidest thing ever. Because it's not better to give than to receive. But now I'm, a, I'm an adult, I've got kids, and Father's Day's coming up, and my kids are going to want to give me a gift. What, what do I need? When you get my age, you, if you need it, you buy it. If you want it, you get it. I don't need them to give anything to me, but I'll take it. Uh, so just so you know. But now, what we really love as parents when we get older is to give our children good gifts. I mean, the look on a child's face when they get something that they wanted and you knew they wanted it and you gave it to them, it is a joy that's unspeakable. The, the, the glow, the, the, the shine in their eyes. When Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, he knew what he was talking about. God, when he says stuff, he knows what he's talking about. When he says, don't hold a grudge, he knows what he's talking about. When he said, don't envy, he knows what he's talking about. When he says, keep a tight rein on your tongue because you're going to regret it if you don't. Can I get a witness that that is true? Thank you. Some of you that should have said. Uh, anyway, we, we, God says these things to us, and he's right every time. And so God says, hey, this, is, this land flowing with milk and honey, and the, the, the spies come back, and they say, yeah, it's awesome. Except, but, and, and then 10 of the 12, they, they sort of, the, 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 the moral majority, the, the, the group that has the, 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 the most support, they begin to say, but 
The people who live there are powerful. It's almost like God didn't drive out the ites. The ites are there. Have you, do you heard of the ites? Well, the ites are there. The cities are fortified, very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And the Anakites, they were uh, n- notoriously tall and big. Uh, they all play in the NBA. Uh, they are really big guys. Uh, the Anakites are there. And the Amalekites live in the Negev. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites and all the ites. All of the ites are there. And we didn't think there would be any ites. And I don't really like the ites. And the ites are not for us. And we don't like ites. Down with the ites. And here's how powerful all of these ites are. The Egyptians had a war machine. They were powerful. They were trained. They were equipped. They tried to take over this land flowing with milk and honey because you want to know what people want. They want lands that flow with milk and honey. And they tried to invade, and they were thwarted time and time again. These ites, they know how to fight. The ites can fight. They know how to defend their land. They are fortified. They are thinking ahead. They are absolutely not going to just give up their land. So here, the the rest of the report. We can't attack those people. I mean, my goodness, they're stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. They're big, we're little. They're strong, we're weak. They're equipped, we're not. They're warriors we've never fought. We can't attack those people. It's ludicrous, it's comical. It makes no sense. Second lesson. Obstacles don't surprise God. Remember God said, hey, I'm going to give you this land, a land flowing of milk and honey that has the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites. He wasn't shocked. God didn't go, hey, where did all those ites come from? It just didn't shock him. College football season starts in September. All right? So uh, top-level teams a lot of times will play a lower-level team. Um, The top-level team, they get a win, kind of a guaranteed win. The the lower-level team gets a um, uh, money, gets gets a guaranteed uh, payout. And so I I did some research. I think it's September 9th. I'm not sure of the date. But Clemson plays Charleston Southern, a higher-level team and a lower-level team. Uh, South Carolina, I think the same day, plays Furman, a higher-level team, a lower-level team. University of Kentucky plays Carolina Panthers, a higher-level team. That's funny. I don't care who you are. Uh, Now, the Charleston Southern coach or the Furman coach, when they get to the game on September 9th or whatever day it is, when they walk out on the field, they should not be shocked that the players at Clemson are bigger than their guys. It shouldn't shock them. They shouldn't be shocked that the players at Clemson are faster than them. The, the Furman coach, he shouldn't be shocked when he lines up across from South Carolina that those guys are bigger and stronger and faster. He, he knows those coaches know what they're getting into. It, it's it's cost-reward. 
Uh, we're going to get crushed, but we're going to get paid. Uh, that's kind of how it goes. And, and so God's not, here, here's what, God is never shocked. We get shocked. God never gets shocked. You want to remember the last time that shocked you? I don't know what it was. Somebody passed away, uh, your car wouldn't start, or you had a flat tire, or your engine blows up, or uh, there's a relationship issue. Uh, I don't know what it is in your life that shocked you, but you can guarantee, I can guarantee you this, God is never shocked. He, he wasn't shocked by that. And obstacles are actually a part of God's plan from the beginning. As we say in the gym, and by we I mean people who actually go to the gym, no pain, no gain. The way you grow muscles is through resistance. If you're not uh, resisting, if there's not resistance on your muscles, they're not going to grow. And so James put it this way. Consider it <laughs> pure joy. It is such an interesting turn of phrase. Not just consider it <laughs> okay. Consider it uh. Consider it not just joy. Pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, I'm going to go on record right now and say, I don't know that I've ever considered it pure joy when I've had trials of many kinds. I'm just not there. Maybe you are. I just can't say that I've ever been that. Whether you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces Perseverance, muscles, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's a reason we face difficulty. It grows us, it matures us. You mature, you become lacking nothing. This has always been my argument against the health and wealth gospel that taught that God always wants you to be healthy and happy and wise. No, he doesn't. We would never grow. We, we see it in the, the kids of, of the elite, the kids who, whose parents are uh, ultra-wealthy. A lot of times they struggle because they've never had a struggle. You know what makes you strong? is when you face difficulty and you get through it, God helps you. You get stronger. You get more mature. You lack nothing Whenever you face trials, temptations, and you get through them with the help of God, these things help you. Something else, when you work for it, you appreciate it more. Uh, Romans 8, 28, For we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God was saying, you are going to have to earn the land. Now, God has proven through plagues, the Red Sea, manna in the wilderness, God is a provider. He has proven this. They've seen the evidence. And yet, their faith is waning. I told Miriam the other day I was going to prepare dinner. Uh, my famous beef wellington. Beef wellington. So I said, honey, can you go to the grocery store and get some vegetables? I need some lettuce, because that's something you have in Beef Wellington, evidently. So 
she, she came back, and you, if you know my wife, she's so calm and demure. And, and so she came back, she was a little flustered. I said, honey, why are you flustered? And, and she said, well, I went to the grocery store, and just like you said, uh, I went to get uh, some lettuce, and, and I had told her I want organic. And so she asked the, the guy at, at the grocery store, uh, do you have organic? And he didn't know what she was talking about. And so Miriam explained to, to this guy, well, it's for my husband. I want to know, does it have uh, chemicals or poison sprayed on it? And he said, no, you'll have to do that yourself. <laughs> now, see, she, she didn't like that. that, that, that that's funny. Uh, okay, all right, all right. When you earn something, you appreciate it more, right? So in high school, I was a solid 2.0. Now, I am really smart. I mean, if you talk to me, you know that dude's really smart. Uh, that's probably the first thing you say. Really, really smart. Um, but I just didn't apply myself. I had other interests, <laughs> if you know what I mean, uh, in high school. Then, all of a sudden, I went to college, and I started paying the bill on that. And now, all of a sudden, I got more serious because there, there's a, a place in your life where you go, okay, oh, oh, oh wait, wait a minute, I, I've got to earn this. It's not going to just be handed to me. And, and so these, these Israelites, they, they didn't lift a finger to be delivered. They didn't lift a finger to defeat their enemy. They've not lifted a finger to earn the, the food out in the wilderness. And they've gotten, well, they've gotten whiny. And Moses forgot to write down, but the 11th commandment is, Thou shalt not whine. And they were whining about everything. We, manna? We got manna again? I mean, it's like, it's like a teenager that you provide a car for and they don't like the car. You want to know what your options are? You can walk. You know, you can walk. My daddy bought me a Datsun B210. Ugliest car ever. You want to know how many chicks you get with a Datsun B210? None. None. They don't even look at you. But you want to know what? It's better than walking. Better than walking. As we mature, God expects more of us. As we mature, God expects more of us. And they're whining and they're complaining. And at one juncture, they say to Moses, We don't want you to lead us anymore. We're going to elect another leader to take us back to Egypt. And you and I, we go, that is the stupidest thing ever. And we do the same things. Because God delivers us from stuff. And we see the promised land. And it's difficult. Uh, uh, he delivers us from addiction. Man, sobriety's hard. That's tough. That's a lot of work. And so you see people all the time, they're delivered from addiction, and they go back. Because this, while not optimal, is comfortable. I know what this feels like. God delivers you out of a horrible uh, relationship, and you go right back into one that's just like it. It's not optimal, but it's comfortable. And so... Going back to Egypt, that wasn't optimal. It's not the best, but it's comfortable. And if I'm God, I am so ticked off at this point. I'm like, I cannot believe they are saying they want to go back. And they did. 
And going into the promised land was going to be a challenge. And this is where faith comes in. And there's one shining star. There's actually two. But one of the shining stars, two guys, two of the, two of the spies said, no, 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 no. You're not thinking properly. One of them was named Caleb. And Caleb silenced the people. You want to know the, the Hebrew word is, uh, uh, Caleb said, shuddy. Uh, that's what, uh, shuddy uppy. That's what he said. I want to talk to you people. Shuddy uppy. Uh, that is what it says in the Hebrew. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take the land. We can do it. And Caleb's name literally means dog. He's going to take this thing. He's like a bone. He's going to take it. In fact, here's his picture. Uh, Right there. He's the only guy back there that we have a picture of. Okay, so last... There's a reason Caleb was was hearing God differently. When we're closest, we hear God clearest. And and God says about his servant Caleb was a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. And here's what I know about following God wholeheartedly. There has been a time in my life, probably the, the clearest I ever heard God was when I was about 20 years old. I did summer mission trip to southeast Oklahoma. Hugo was like the the hub. Hugo, if you've ever been to Hugo, I'd like to talk to you after the service because I'm pretty sure there's nobody. Um, And and we we worked out of Hugo, and for 10 weeks, my buddy Mike Wilson and me, we we served, we, I I read my Bible. I didn't have any, I mean, there's no television. Uh, I, I read my Bible. I prayed. I was quiet. I was close. And Caleb was close. And he was the one, and he says to everybody else, hey, hey, let's jump. Let's jump. Let's do it. Let me show you this little video of ducklings. They had never jumped before, but they learn. They learn. One of these little ducklings is named Caleb. There's Mama. Whoop, jump. This must be in France. Listen to the music. Get on the ledge. Yeah, one of them's like, eh, I don't think so. Oh yeah, okay. No, 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 no. All right. Mom's calling for him. There's Caleb. There he is. Woo! Isn't that sweet? Sweet. There's more. I'm just going to cut it off. All right. Last lesson. God lets us choose. He lets us choose. Are we going to allow faith to be greater than our fear? We get to choose. And I want to end with a story. Uh, in, in Mark chapter 9, there's a story of this dad. And he's got a son, and he's, he's got an illness, and he goes to the disciples, Jesus' disciples, and he said, can you heal my son? And they can't do it. And so this, this father who has a son who needs help goes to the one he thinks can help him the most. And he says to Jesus, would you, could you heal my son? And Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. 
And the, son, the, 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 the dad said something that has always stuck with me. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> Which is really interesting. I've got some faith. I believe some. I believe, help my unbelief. Today you might be here and you go, man, I've got faith, but it's not much. And I think it's appropriate for us to pray. God, I have faith, but help my faithlessness. I have faith, but help me have more faith. So as we close, I'm going to pray a blessing on us. Those of us in this room who maybe the scale is tipped toward fear and not faith. I'm going to ask that God fill us today with faith. Because He's proven Himself. When I want more faith, I look back. Oh, God delivered me from that. God did this in my life. And God did that. And He did these things so I can put my faith in Him. Because He did that, and that, and that. And I hope for you that you have some that moments where He's proven Himself faithful. He's been faithful here, and here, and here, and here, and here. And when we look back at the things He's been faithful with, then it grows our faith. So let me pray that blessing on you. Lord, I pray for my friends in this room that you would fill us with faith. Bring to our minds the things that you've done for us in the past, where you've been faithful. Help us to be people who follow you closely, who, Lord, strengthen our faith. We believe, but help our unbelief. This is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.